0: welcome to boys podcast hosted by me Ashling Tobin and recorded in a beautiful studio in screen scene post-production guys like the slippery snake that I am I've managed to slip and slide my ass back into a studio and I could not be more thrilled. <laughs> Um, don't get me wrong, I am glad that I took the time to learn how to do it from home because it means I'll be able to record more people who can't make it into a studio. But um, it just sounds so much better in a studio. You might be hearing from my voice that I am very hungover. <laughs> I was vaping my feckin' ditties off last night. Um, so apologies for the huskiness. But guys, I'm kinda liking it, I'm not gonna lie. Guys, this week on the podcast, I'm going to be talking about attachment theory, attachment styles, and I'm going to leave all the fancy spancy um, terminology to the professionals, and I will be getting a professional on, my friend Maggie Lawler. I'm going to leave all that kind of jargon up to her because I'm not going to pretend like I know what the fuck I'm talking about but um I've listened to a lot of YouTube videos and podcasts on this topic and basically in one of the podcasts I listened to which I will link as well because he explains how our attachment style is formed but um he did like a little test in his podcast which I'm going to do today. Um, Well, it's basically a little quiz that you can do yourself. Um, We're going to go through it. And by the end of it, it will be pretty clear what attachment style you are. So let's get into it. Um, Basically, what you're going to do now is you're going to take a pen and paper or just use the notes app on your phone. Or if you can't do either of those things, just keep a mental log of your answers. If you can't write it down or keep record of it, It's only six questions. I'm sure you'll have a good idea of what your answers were by the end and you'll know. Okay, let's get into the first question. Say if you're dating somebody or you're in a relationship and you are... Oh God, lads, this huskiness is ridiculous. I'm kind of liking it, though. It's a little kind of sexy, but... uh, And if this was my actual voice, it wouldn't be as bad. But the fact that this is self-inflicted, I'm a little bit embarrassed. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. I feel a little bit ashamed of (laughs) myself. Okay, let's get into it. You're at a party with your either boyfriend or girlfriend or whoever you're with. um, Or maybe you're just dating them. And you look over and you see that they're being a little bit flirtatious to somebody. They're having a good chat. They look like they're getting on really well. Are you A getting worked up about this feeling insecure and want to have a word with your partner about this are you be kind of like fuck them you're kind of in a huff you're like i'm just not going to really speak to them for the rest of the night um and you're kind of withdrawing and pulling back or are you see like if it's just once off you're giving them the benefit of the doubt you feel secure within yourself you feel secure within your relationship you're not really too bothered about it. So moving on to the next question. When you enter a new relationship, are you A, the type of person who is romanticizing the relationship, you're constantly thinking about the person, like you're daydreaming about like your wedding day and all these kind of moments. Are you the type of person who wouldn't want to jump into things too quickly, you're kind of you're kind of sceptical of people a little bit until you know that you can absolutely trust them and you generally want things to move slowly or are you C, you know, you're enjoying their company, you're pretty level-headed about it and you're just excited to see where things go. Okay, moving on to the next question. With your relationships in your life, are you A, say if like, your partner for a day was like a little bit off with you or like you're kind, you've are kind. you been dating somebody for a while and then they have a day where they don't really text you that much. Um, their contact is a little bit different. Would you be the type of person who would instantly feel insecure and kind of be looking at yourself going, well, what have I done? And you're kind of panicking a little bit to the point where it's kind of affecting you in your day to day and you find it hard to focus on other things. Are you be the type of person in the beginning of a relationship where if you feel like somebody needs too much of your time or is trying to move too quickly that this will freak you out and you you'll want to withdraw. You'll be conscious of somebody trying to steal your energy or trying to emotionally lean on you and this will be something that you would definitely pull back on. Or C, say if going back to the example of somebody not really texting you for the day, do you think that you'll be thrown by that? Or would you just kind of be level-headed? And unless there's definite concrete proof that somebody's not into you anymore, you're not going to be jumping the gun. Like, you wouldn't be quick to come to conclusions. And also, you wouldn't straight away look internally. You wouldn't think that it was anything you did unless you know, you had actually done something. Okay, so question number four. What is the way that you would describe the best relationships in your life? Are they A, relationships where you feel safe, the other person makes you feel safe and secure? B, would you describe those relationships as being uncomplicated, simple? Or C, would you describe your best relationships as you being a team? There's give and take on both sides. You can lean on the person, they can lean on you. It's all very balanced. Five, what are the things that you worry about in relationships or when you begin to see somebody? Do you worry that people are going to leave you? if there's any kind of indication of somebody pulling back, is this something that would make you panic? Or B, would you say your biggest worry is somebody leaning on you too much or just needing too much of your energy or you'd be worried that somebody would rely on you emotionally. Is that something that you would worry about? And if there's any indication of it, would this be something that you would withdraw from? Or C, would you say that you have no worries in relationships unless there's reason to worry? Okay, so the sixth question, if you have a disagreement with a partner, maybe it's not even a relationship or it's somebody you're seeing, it's somebody you're close with anyway. Are you A, nervous to bring the topic up? You know, you're kind of worried, you're afraid of having the argument, like what the outcome of that might be. You're afraid that it might affect how they view you. You're afraid that maybe they'll leave you after the argument. Or B, if you have a disagreement, would you just want to brush it under the rug, not really speak about it, not put much focus on it? It's fine, you just want to move forward. Or C, would you feel comfortable sitting down with a partner and bringing it up and listening to their side and also voicing your own? You're very level about it. Well, the four attachment styles are anxious, avoidant, secure, and fearful avoidant. So anxious and avoidant both are like 20% of the population each. Secure is 50%. And fearful avoidant is 2%. And fearful avoidant is not included in the quiz. We've just used the predominant ones. And basically, your attachment style is formed when you are literally a little baby. It is influenced by how your primary caregiver soothes and meets your needs. Because as a baby, you can't really do anything for yourself. You rely on your primary caregiver to wash you, feed you, dress you, and how they interact with you and how they soothe you and regulate your emotional state is what forms your understanding of other people in the world, basically. And it forms your understanding of how your needs are going to be met and what you need to do to get them met. So in the quiz, I'll just tell you what the quiz ones were. So A was anxious, B was avoidant and C was secure. So if you're a C, you can get the hell out of here. (laughs) Because funnily enough, anxious and avoidant are polar opposites, but they tend to gravitate towards each other because they mirror each other's understandings of the world and how people are going to interact with them. And secure people generally won't end up with avoidant or anxious because they won't mirror their understanding of how their emotional needs should be met and they're secure. So when they're not being met, they will have the kahunas basically and have that security within themselves to say, oh, this isn't for me. I need to go and find somebody who can do those things. They will gravitate towards other secure people. Why is this knowledge so important? This knowledge is so important because It will help you not only navigate your own emotions, but it will also help you understand other people's. So when people are behaving in a certain way and you can see that they're anxious or avoidant, you will kind of have a better understanding of how to communicate with them, when to give them space. You'll understand that, say with an anxious person, if they're needing your attention, why that is. And you might be more understanding in giving it to them. So I'm going to explain the attachment styles just very simply. And I'm going to leave the professional jargon to the professionals, basically. So I'm just going to explain it in the most simplistic language. Anxious attachment style are people who are, they're anxious. They're worried that people are going to leave them. Um, they're worried that their needs aren't going to be met. And that is because as a baby, their primary caregiver sometimes gave them the emotional support that they needed and sometimes they didn't. So sometimes they were looked after when they were crying and the parent would go to them and sometimes they didn't. So this formed an understanding with the baby because they're helpless. They can't do anything for themselves. They are solely relying on that primary caregiver to give them the support that they need to soothe them, to regulate their emotional state. And when the primary caregiver is giving it sometimes, but not all the time, this forms an understanding with them that the baby is not okay, but everyone else in the world is okay. You're okay as my primary caregiver, and I'm solely reliant on you to give me that support. And when they're not giving it all the time, it's like, you're okay, I'm not okay. So that forms their understanding of the world. Okay, so moving on to avoidant attachment style. Avoidant is somebody who had a parent growing up who maybe wasn't emotionally fully well. Maybe they had some kind of mental illness. Maybe they had some kind of addiction problem. And from there, as a baby, they learned how to self soothe and regulate their own emotions basically. And they formed an understanding from this that they are okay, but their primary caregiver is not okay. And this formed how they understood everyone in the world basically. I'm okay, you're not okay. So, the reason why anxious and avoidant people end up coming together is because. they mirror their understanding of the world. Avoidant, I'm okay, you're not okay. Anxious, you're okay, I'm not okay. So it, it mirrors their understanding of the world. Um, and what sometimes might happen as well is with anxious people, when they come into contact with secure people, when things are moving at a normal rate and they get the love that they desire at a secure person's rate it's almost to them they're kind of thinking oh what's wrong with that person because this isn't how it usually goes generally I have to earn love secure people well they're secure they had their emotional needs met as babies and yeah they're just secure everything's balanced I give you support you give me support I'm okay without you but I would like to have you but if you don't treat me well I'm not going to stay with you And then fearful avoidant are people who basically would have grown up with perhaps an abusive parent. They were sometimes get support, but then also sometimes not. But it's more of an extremity, I guess, than the anxious one and generally tend to see that they have come from an abusive upbringing. They are the type of people that inherit both the behaviors of anxious and avoidant because they want to be loved but also they feel like they can't trust people so they might be getting into a relationship but then they might want to withdraw because they want to they want to keep themselves safe and why is it important to understand the various attachment styles it's important because with this knowledge, you not only understand your own behavior better, but you understand the behaviors of others better. So say with somebody like I'm anxious and I can look back on a previous relationship that I had and he was definitely avoidant. So what would happen would be I would be trying to over assert my needs. And when there was an argument, I would need to talk it out and hash it out and sort it out and feel secure that we'd moved on from that whereas he wouldn't want to talk about it at all so there was this constant I guess the more he pulled away the more I wanted to lean in and although we got on like a house on fire we couldn't communicate with one another effectively so the relationship was never going to work now in saying that I don't begrudge that because that's how we learn. We live and we learn. And I'm so glad that I'm learning about attachment styles now because I can look back on that and understand what happened. And it also helps me moving forward in new relationships. Oftentimes, what happens with anxious people is they can sometimes mirror even like the tantrum of like a two-year-old when they're not getting their needs met. This might come up in, you might see maybe somebody, you know, the crying, screaming person on night out. But there was actually an experiment done called the still face experiment. And basically, they got a primary caregiver to hold a straight face in front of their infant when they were looking for attention. So the infant would start off by like pulling a funny face and um, trying to do something to make the primary caregiver laugh. Then when that wouldn't work, they'd be making funny sounds. Then when that wouldn't work, they would be then throwing a tantrum. And this kind of gives an example of how anxious people form that attachment stall because they learn that they have to do an array of things to get somebody's attention. And that attention and that soothing isn't going to be easily given. It's something that they have to fight for and it's not going to be easily given. It's just beneficial to understand about these types of things as well, because say back then, if I had known that, knowing that I was anxious and that person was avoidant, I would understand that it's actually so important that when they're looking for space or they don't want to talk about things, it's not from them being insensitive or not caring. It's actually got nothing got to do with you. It's more about them and how they protect their own energy and emotional state. So while you're saying, oh my God, I need to talk about this or I need blah, 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 that's your attachment style and that's personal to you and that's your own insecurities. But them pulling away, that's kind of coming from their own insecurities and their way of protecting themselves. So it's with that understanding that you can just have healthier and better relationships for sure. Okay, guys, as I said, I just wanted to keep it as simple as possible. I'm going to leave the professional jargon and explanations to the professionals so I will be linking useful links in this podcast the YouTube video I referred to and also the podcast as well and I'll be getting my friend Maggie on and she will be able to explain attachment theory a lot better than me and also how they relate to one another and how these attachment styles show up in each other's lives and what that relationship looks like but for now I'm going to finish on a quote guys Your past may be behind you but it is also beneath you so use it as a foundation to build a stronger future. And I just thought that was very relevant to what we're talking about today. Uh, Definitely very relevant for me. I'm so glad that I have done so much work on myself over the past few years for sure in my mental health and also have taken time to try and understand others as well because Without understanding people's behaviours, it can be easy to misunderstand people and take things personally when things just aren't personal whatsoever. So I'm gonna leave you on that, guys. If you've enjoyed this podcast, will you please give me a follow if you're not already following me? Um and please just give me a five-star review, I'd really appreciate it. I love you all. I will speak to you next week. Bye.